the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Day, wherever you might be. I'm having a pretty good day, except I spilled coffee all over my shirt. But uh, you know what? I'm on the radio. So you don't even need to know that. Right. I could just let it go. But it like it bugs me. It's right there. Plus, you know, they're threatening to put this on, you know, TV. You can watch it online and stuff. And then it would be right there, right there. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep it, you know, below the below the desk or something. But uh, anyway, do you have that problem? I do all the time because I always have coffee. Anyway, I've got coffee. I'm ready to go. It is good to be with you today. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, you know what? I'm not a fan of kale. Are you a fan of kale? I'm really not. I'll explain that in a minute because there's somebody else who also just based upon the look on their face, they're not a fan of kale. We learned that today. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, you can join our conversation again, 888-528-2557, or you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I have a friend, every time I say I don't like kale, he sends me some new kale recipe, kale shakes and kale in the oven and kale with the olive oil and the salt. And I go, nope, not going to work for me. But uh, that's all right. That's all right, you know, to to each his own, I guess. You know, one of the uh, coolest things that uh, came out today was a study that was done at Aston University where scientists took a 4D ultrasound scans of 100 pregnant women to see how their unborn babies responded to flavors from foods eaten by their mothers. And uh, did you do the 4D ultrasound if you were if you had a baby in the last few years? And got, we never did that. I, I think it was available, you know, I guess, but we, we never did that. We had the regular ultrasound with our two boys. Maybe maybe that wasn't as big a thing or maybe it was really expensive. I don't know. I've seen these before. They're incredible. It's this, um, you know, not the, the typical ultrasound that you see is, you know, the baby's there. And the older the baby is, you can see more of the parts and different things. And that's how they determine boy or girl that uh, they do before you have your gender reveal party or whatever. Or if you're like us and you didn't want to know, our first child, James, we didn't want to know. We had boys' names picked out and girls' names picked out, didn't want to know. And we didn't tell anybody, um, you know, anything. And we didn't, well, there wasn't anybody, anything to tell, but we didn't tell anybody the names, right? We didn't want to get any feedback about names. We're going to pick the names and here we go. And uh, so we did and uh, let everybody know his name is James, James Theodore, before... um, Right after he was born, right after he was born. With John, second born, we didn't really plan to. We felt like maybe we're having a girl, and then we went to the ultrasound appointment, and the the technician says, do you want to know uh, the, the uh, gender? And we said, sure. We hadn't really talked about it. It was a boy. We were very uh, – we didn't expect that was even possible that early on. It was very, very early. Um, and so we knew on that one, but once again, we didn't tell anybody anything. Um, so anyway, they do this study. And you actually get to see the baby's face. According to the study, a number of studies have suggested that babies, and I didn't know this before, can taste or smell in the womb. Did you know that? I don't remember that from my time in the womb, if I could taste or smell. But apparently they believe that. But these are based on post-birth outcomes 
according to this study, where now this study is the first one to see these inside the womb. So the 4D thing, right, is it's like 3D imagery of the baby inside the womb. It's color. You see detail in the face, facial structure, and uh, it's amazing. It's amazing when you see those. It's just really, really incredible. And this is a, a fun study. Um, and uh, according to the study, they uh, were able to actually see the children's reaction, the baby's reaction, to the food. This was on uh, several programs today. This is a clip from the Today Show on NBC this morning. Some amazing baby faces. Look at this. So researchers in Brit- Britain wanted to know if babies in the womb react when the mom ingests a flavor of food. And this is what they saw. Do you want to guess what was on the left? Oh. So the left is a baby in its resting state. Okay. And then on the right, you see how he smiles 20 yeah. minutes? The mom ate some carrots. Oh. On the left with the... That was just a resting seat. That was a resting, but, but he liked the carrots. She had like a carrot oh, pill. So, so what you have is a picture on the screen. If you've seen this video, you have the baby who just looks, you know, just kind of like they're hanging out. They're resting face. Um, not necessarily angry resting face or whatever kind of resting face. Just, you know, resting baby. Not really thinking about too much. But then apparently mom had some carrots. And there's a grin. This baby likes carrots. And then they continued. There are other foods? Yes, there were other foods. I'm glad you asked. You want to look at this baby's sure. reaction before? Mom had, mom had kale. Wow, wow. So here's the thing. The what about if mom had had ice cream? I don't know. Why, why, would they go, why would they go with, Let me with explain. carrots and vegetables? So the- I love Al Roker. I mean, I think that's the funniest thing that he said. Like, why didn't they have ice cream? Why didn't they go with vegetable? vegetable? Why did they go with vegetables? I had that exact same response. Like, my kids don't smile at any kind of vegetable, even if secretly they like it. They're not smiling too much. You know, why not chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream, you know, carne asada burrito, what, you know, something else. But uh, at any rate, they use, in this particular video, they use carrots and kale. The SETI's co-author says the images could just show muscle movements when a baby's reacting to maybe a flavor that's bitter. So you shouldn't interpret it whether, you know, it's happy or distaste. No, I think that's how I do it. Yeah. Because once they get out of the womb, it's that same look. Yeah, yeah. it's the same look. That's not adorable, though. Yeah, see, so there's a smile. There's a smile with the the carrot, but a, a frown, a clear look of disgust on this baby's face with the kale. And uh, they said, oh, we shouldn't interpret it. Yes, you should, because that's exactly how I feel when I eat kale. The look on that baby's face, that's the look on my face when I have kale. And uh, I know some of you, you're really into it. I get it. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that's really supposed to be eaten. Do you know what the do you know what the number one purchaser in the United States of kale was until 2014 up to 2014? You know who the number one purchaser of kale was? Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut was the number one purchaser of kale uh, until this became a fad a few years ago. And uh, they didn't use it to put in their on their pizza or anything. They used the kale to line the edges of their salad bar. You weren't even supposed to eat it. It was there for decoration. You, know, you go to the salad bar and it's got all that crushed ice in there. And, and you don't want to think about what might be in that. And then the salad is there and the little bowls and everything. You make your little salad to make you feel better about the pizza you're about to eat. And uh, the, around the edges were those green lines, and that was the kale, and that was what kale was purchased for uh, until people decided they're going to eat it. I wonder if it's somebody at Pizza Hut who just made the error of uh, eating that on the edge there while they were getting their salad. I don't know. Anyway, you look at this baby, and the baby clearly doesn't like the kale and likes the carrots, and that's great. It's a fun story. It's just fun to to watch this, and, uh, you know, you get a kick out of it if you uh, – have had that blessing of having a kid and you get prepared and 
you know, and there's the, there's the kicking and all the other things that you experience. Um, did your unborn child like particular foods? Um, that, and you're the mom, right? So you kind of know what you're eating and what does it seem like your, your child might have enjoyed? You have a feeling about it. Um, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation today on Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. James, my firstborn, uh, he's pretty much made of Egg McMuffins. He loved Egg McMuffins, at least uh, Christy believes so. We were always getting Egg McMuffins, making Egg McMuffins. You can make them at home. It's just an egg and some ham and an English muffin. And, um, and he liked spicy foods for, some, for whatever reason. He just loved that. And, uh, but John, three years later, when John is um, developing – the spicy foods were were rejected. Christy was not in the mood for those, and she felt like John didn't like them. You know what she liked? She liked, and this was a great thing for me. I, I loved this. I'm not a fan, really, of the Egg McMuffin, but uh, I am a fan of Del Taco. And Christy had never really eaten at Del Taco. And for whatever reason, John, as he was developing, he loved Del Taco. It was great. And he loved, I don't know if you know this, but they have, and I'm, I'm not doing a commercial for them. I'm just telling you what happened in our life because it was very specific. They have fish tacos at Del Taco, which I didn't even know they had. And boy, we ate a ton of those. I don't know if we've had them since, but that was the thing that John really, really liked was the fish tacos at, uh, as, an in, as a developing fetus. That's what he wanted. He wanted the fish tacos. At least that's what we think. That was Christie's craving, right? That that's what she craved, and that's what she felt like the babies really enjoyed more. Um, you know, when you were having your kids, or maybe you know a story about your grandkids or a friend, was there a particular food? If you're a mom especially, did you feel like that's just your craving, or did you have a sense that the baby is enjoying this a little bit more or not enjoying a certain food? 888-528-2557. Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. I love this topic. I just wanted to tell you a real quick story. So um, when I was pregnant, I never really felt my daughter kick until I went to a concert and I had. I remember I was at the the bar and I bought a Sprite and she was kicking and kicking and kicking and she wouldn't stop. It was getting more intense at this concert and I, I said I got to leave. I'm not feeling well because she just was kicking me. She literally kicked me out the door. And as soon as I left the concert, never kicked again. So to this day, she does not like that type of music that, um, like I would play in the cars, like a little bit of heavy metal music. She does not like it. She will not tolerate it, and she loves Sprite. Maybe so that was my story. Maybe she loved it. She was just she was just a headbanger in there, and that was very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. You never know. <laughs> you, ne- you never know. That's a great story, though. A lot of people have that story. Thank you very much, Jennifer, for your call about what the, the babies like musically, right? We played all kinds of music and uh, lots of classical music and lots of other stuff. And there were things, you know, that just seemed like, you know, and they can hear. Um, they seem like that's pretty good. Did you have a food or something that your your unborn child, while you were carrying your child, enjoyed? We've been talking about this study that came out from uh, England today that uh, shows 4D images of baby's response to foods that mom eats. And it's a clear look of joy when mom is eating carrots. The baby liked carrots, but the baby did not like kale, uh, which I think is what you should expect. 
I'm just saying, you know, and it's funny the look on the baby's face because it's clearly disgust. You know, people just have some people have great facial expressions. Well, that clearly is what's going on with this child in the video. 888-528-2557. Jackie in Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. Um, yes, um, I wanted to get involved with this conversation. Yeah. Um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, she's 31 now. When I was pregnant with her, boy, did she love ding-dongs and milk. Now, me personally, <laughs> I hate ding-dongs. To this day, I will not eat a ding-dong. I never liked ding-dongs, and I definitely did not like milk. But I would tell my, I would tell my husband, at 2 o'clock in the morning, go find a store. I need my ding-dongs, and I need my milk. And to this day, my daughter loves ding-dongs. So when I heard this, it just it really... Um, I don't know. It just really got to me because, honestly, I always tell her, you're made of ding-dongs. You know that, right? Right. And we both always laugh. So <laughs> I wanted to share that. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Jackie, thank for that. You. you know, I think these stories are incredible like this because Jackie says she never liked ding You know what the ding-dong is, if you're not familiar with that? Are, do they still have those out there? Hostess ding-dongs. They were, they're this little snack cake, okay, put out by, by Hostess. And Hostess went out of business a few years ago, if you remember that. And somebody else bought their the rights or the recipes or something. And Hostess used to bake their stuff in a local bakery some, somewhere nearby and then send it to the stores. Now it's kind of frozen and everything, but I've had some of their stuff. still tastes pretty good. I don't know if the ding-dongs are still there. They were this little chocolate snack cake, a chocolate cake with cream filling in the middle with a kind of a waxy chocolate around the outside, and it was shaped like a hockey puck. And they would wrap it in a tinfoil. I mean, as a kid, those were just the greatest things. We'd get those in our, our lunchbox. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think there's something to it. That's what this study is showing from Aston University, that when they take these ultrasounds of uh, these babies, that they do respond favorably or unfavorably to certain foods. I bet that has something to do uh, with the craving. Do you have a story that you want to share about this? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. So there's an, there's an obvious obvious thing to, to point out here, I think. You've probably thought about it for a while. I'm watching, the, uh, watching this on the Today Show, this video, and we played a clip for that just a second ago. And everybody's enjoying it, same way that we're enjoying this right now, because I think people have this this experience when they're uh, having a kid and you kind of wonder what's going on in there, right? What is, uh, you know, is when the kicking is happening, when do they like this kind of food? Why is there, why are there cravings? Those are, those are really interesting questions and it's fun to talk about. And it's fun to think about when it's your, your child and it's fun to think about all of this stuff. Um, and, the interesting thing to me is that the news writers at NBC News uh, seem to have forgotten something. Somehow, when this somehow this story got through the goalie, I'm not sure how this happened, but the the story got through the goalie, and it's amazing to see. It's amazing to see these same people who a few minutes later will probably try to put on a news story that tells you that the unborn child is not a child. Like somehow they forgot that it's not a baby. Somehow they forgot, right? They forgot that uh, this is not a baby, not a person, not an individual, not able to enjoy life, not able to make a decision, not able to um, like one thing or dislike something else. See what I'm saying? It's a, it is when we have this abortion argument that we're, we're having in the country today, 
Lots of things have changed in it over the course of the last uh, 50 years, technologically speaking. But there is something very arbitrary that we do when we are excited about having the baby, when it's our plan to have the baby, or it wasn't planned, but we we're excited about it anyway and wanting to have the baby. We And we're talking about the fun stuff of a baby. It's so easy to assign humanity. It's so easy to assign value. And the unborn child is obviously a person to us. We name the babies. We do gender reveals. Not assigned genders, but the actual biological sex and gender, which were interchangeable terms um, a, uh, just not too long ago, a few years ago. Did you know that? It's all, it's all in the philosophy, not the science. That whole argument. We buy clothes. We decorate rooms. We do all of this stuff. We take pictures, at least for your first child. You know, your first child, you take a picture of, you know, how the pregnancy is going every week. We have this. We have 40 weeks of what, uh, you know, a side view of Christy during the pregnancy and how everything is developing. I'm not sure we did that for, for John. You know, John, if you're listening, you know, you know, sometimes that's sometimes, John, there's there's a benefit of being the second child and sometimes there's not. Like the benefit of the second child, as your older brother keeps pointing out, is that you get to sit in the front seat of the car a couple of years earlier than your older brother did. And your older brother is bitter about this. So I want you to remember this, that we probably did not take a whole bunch of pregnancy pictures with you. And we have we have 40,000 pictures of James as an infant, and we have two pictures of John as an infant. That's what happens with the second second child, right? So there's that disadvantage. But there are advantages, John. Just keep in mind, you, you're riding in the front seat in the fifth grade. I don't think we let James in the front seat. Even now, he's 13. We don't let him in the front seat. No, we're letting him in there. But James points out regularly how unfair this is. And uh, we just say life isn't fair because we're those parents. 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. And uh, there was a video on uh, the news today that you probably saw that shows a baby's, a fetus's response to food that mom is eating. And the baby clearly enjoyed the carrots and did not enjoy the kale, proving, I think, further that the baby can taste, the baby can make decisions and enjoy. Uh, and he uh, hasn't, he doesn't have any reason to pretend. Likes the, likes the carrots, doesn't like the kale. Uh, that's why I think, you know, some people are saying that uh, that's why there are different cravings uh, when you are pregnant, because maybe the child responds differently and wants certain things. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation or uh, comment on it. On the serious part of this, this is a value of life question. When we you know, abortion is going to be in the news, I think, for a long time in a different way because of a Rose reversal in the Dobbs case. But also here in California, it's on the ballot, literally on the ballot. Uh, we're going to change the uh, constitution, uh, the state constitution. Every state has a constitution. And uh, we're going to codify what's already the rule in California, although uh, it will probably be abortion will be more acceptable, actually, in uh, the California state constitution. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but behind all of it is this. It is the value of life question. If we don't want the child, you know, when we want the child, we're having fun. If we've decided we don't want the child, if we're afraid or if we are being told we can't afford it uh, or whatever the reason might be, um, and you can't afford it. We talked about this, what, yesterday, the day before. You'll be able to afford it. You may not be able to afford the Disney tickets, um, and you might not be able to afford other things, but uh, I promise you, you will find a way to raise that child. And there's no guarantee that you're always going to be poor or that the child is going to be unhappy. Um, you can do a lot as a parent. Um, 
And, uh, you know, this this is something that we have to get this right. And I, I if you watch this video and you can you can see it on the Today Show, it's all over the place. It's on my my Twitter and my Facebook. If you go at Scott Furrow on those things, you can see the video and watch it for yourself. It's a uh, it's a fun video. The news broadcasters are having a fun time and it's remarkable that they would not have the same joy if they were doing a news story because it goes against the the narrative of it. Uh, technology is changing the argument, right? You know, how old in the study are these children? Well, they're, they're 32 weeks, about 32 weeks between 32 and 36. So the third trimester of pregnancy, if you will. Um, and we'll get back to that in a bit. Some people will argue that the 6- to 12-week baby would not have this response. But also, science says we, we don't really know. We can't really see it. The 4D isn't quite as good when they're that tiny, and uh, we don't actually know. The key here is that these babies, who are even in the last trimester, uh, can be aborted in most places legally in the United States, and in some cases for any reason. And what's happening in California, I'm doing a lot of studying. We'll probably have some guests here on this subject with Proposition 1 on the ballot, which would codify uh, – abortion rights in the Constitution, it's actually uh, more to the left because what the constitutional amendment would do was allow abortion all the way through the end of nine weeks or nine months, um, where there are currently, even in California, some some restrictions uh, for that. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. When we come back, we got to take a break, and then I'll get to your calls. I see your calls up there. We'll get to your calls as soon as we get back from the break. Also, when we get back, um, there was another interesting uh, statement made today by a gubernatorial candidate in another state suggesting that uh, six-week-old fetuses don't have heartbeats, that the entire thing, the, the sound and the heartbeat, is something that's made up um, so that men can control your body. And, you know, <laughs> I guess when I saw my children's heartbeats on the screen there at uh, six weeks, uh, that was just made up, and it was the technician uh, like looking to the side making noises or something. Uh, actually, I did look that up to give kind of some uh, insight into why that was said and what really is there, and I've got that information for you as soon as we get back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. If you've got a story about cravings you had while you were pregnant, if you're a mom, or a story about you know what some behaviors maybe that your kid was doing uh, before you were born that were fun, uh, give us a call. You can call about anything, 888-528-2557. I'll be back in just a moment as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today, as it is each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on Southern California Live. Today, a uh, a report was put out and a video put out of a scientific study by Aston University that showed children, uh, fetuses actually, responding to food that mom ate and having either joy or disgust from it. And uh, this particular baby was shown, uh, was mom ate some carrots and the baby loved the carrots, but the same baby did not like the kale. And it's very, very clear in that child's face. So we start talking about cravings maybe that our kids had or that your kids might have had while you were pregnant and what that means. Uh, the study indicates that, you know, the seriousness of it is that these kinds of studies might help you as a parent later determine what actually 
uh, what kinds of foods your child actually likes and continues to like. You can share your story by calling 888-528-2557 or join the conversation in any way, 528-2557. And there's an obvious uh, implication here about how we treat unborn children when we are excited about what they're doing and how we discard them when we are uh, uh, not wanting them and all of those issues. So we've been talking about that. 888-528-2557. Mike in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, Well, thank you for having me on the show. And um, I'd like to know that these, these broadcasts are so vital. Uh, and you could absolutely save a life. And my story is this. 25 years ago, my wife became pregnant, and I was getting ready to separate from the military and asked her to get an abortion Hmm. because I didn't know what my financial future held, our financial future. And, um, you know, I just couldn't, didn't want to raise another baby. And uh, she refused and uh, went ahead and had the baby. And again, this was 25 years ago, and today my son, who is 25, is the exact spinning image of his dad, hmm. which is me. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's smart, he's uh, intellectual, he's kind, he's a, a, a positive uh, uh, contributor to his community. Um, you know, he's, I couldn't imagine him not being born. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, today I'm a Christian, so certainly I'm pro-life today. And, uh, you know, I believe life begins at conception, no matter what anybody says. I believe that the, mirac- the miracle of two cells, separate cells from two different people, join together and, and create a human being. That's got to be God. That's, that's not evolution or anything else. That's God. Um, so that's the testimony I wanted to share today. Well, Mike, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad to hear about your your son, and I'm glad you guys uh, decided to keep him. And uh, thanks for calling Southern California Live. And, you know, I know there might be people listening right now who are trying to make that decision. In California, you know, we are not anywhere near any time where we're going to be restricting abortion legally, even if Proposition 1, which we'll talk about another time, but it's on the ballot to put – to to put abortion rights in the state constitution, all it's really doing is codifying some laws that we have right now, although they'll be a little bit more extreme even on the abortion side of it. But the laws are already the way they are. It's not going to change, practically speaking, a whole lot in our state if it passes or if it doesn't pass. Uh, That's where we're at. But I would encourage people who are thinking of it to uh, go get an ultrasound. Go, you know, don't listen to some of the things that people are saying. In fact, I'm going to share something with you that somebody said today who's an important figure, uh, not just in her state, but she's been uh, put out there as a potential presidential candidate, a person who uh, people thought would be an up-and-coming political star, and a statement that she made today is making a lot of news, and well, I'm just going to play it. Here's what it is. This is Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is a gubernatorial candidate from uh, the state of Georgia. And uh, here's what she said today in a forum about um, fetal heartbeat. There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. All right. If you couldn't understand her too well, she said that there that the 
There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks in the fetal, uh, in an unborn child, in a fetus. Uh, she said that it was something that it was, it's an artificial sound created by men who want to control women's bodies. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, now, the second part of that, that, you know, some dude created a ultrasound machine um, to fake a heartbeat um, and fake the detection of cardiac activity so that we could control, so that men can control women's bodies, you know, that's crazy. She's going to lose, by the way. Um, and she had a real shot at it, I think, but she's not going to make it. And statements like that that are not helping her, uh, among some other things. So the first part of that statement, I wanted to know, well, wait a minute. Is it true that the heartbeat is made up? You know, I mean, I went to our appointment and I saw uh, the heartbeat. I remember it distinctly with with James, and I remember seeing it on the screen right there, that that blip going on. I wasn't expecting it that day, and I was just very emotionally moved, you know, to see that. But then you heard the sound, you know, I think sometimes it's a beeping noise or other stuff. And I thought, well, what is, what, she can't be just making that up. I mean, she could be, but is she just making that up off the top of her head? Like, is this just, I'm just going to be angry and I'm just going to say none of this is real. I still hear people who will deny that the child's body forms with hands and feet and all of this, you know, early on in the pregnancy. You know, we were, we were discipled culturally to use a term, you know, a scriptural term about discipleship. Discipleship matters so much. We don't, in the church, we're not focused on discipling people to make them like Jesus, right? We are, we're, we're so often, you know, we talk about it, but we, we're often about conversion and we want people to accept Christ and get kind of across, I don't know, a finish line or something. But what we're called to do is make disciples where conversion is just a part of that, where you accept Christ as Lord, you get saved. That's where you, a person gets saved, but we're supposed to grow and be more like Jesus, and not more like the pastor or more like yourself, you know, or more like your favorite radio host or more like, you know, we're supposed to be more like Jesus and really discipling people who are followers of Jesus to be more like him. That's what discipleship is. It's the idea of following somebody. There was an old Jewish idea that, that a disciple, the best disciples were walking so close to the person that they were trying to um, become like that they would get dust from that person's sandals all over their cloak because they're walking so closely behind them. That's how close we need to get with Jesus, right? That's what discipleship is, that we're becoming more and more like him in those ways. Well, there's other ways of discipleship. And a lot of people today, because of technology, because of what we can see in the ultrasound, because of what we can see in uh, this, you know, like this study today, where you clearly see the child hates kale and loves carrots. You know, that look on that baby's face is one of disgust in there. We can see that today, and we can see these ultrasounds very early on where there's hands and feet. Clearly, it's a human child and not a clump of cells, and it's not – it becomes very, very difficult to see this and say, oh, that's not a child. At any rate, when she says this part, I thought, well, what is – you know, where did this come from, the idea that the heartbeat is – the six-week-old heartbeat is made up? I looked it up, and uh, so here's, here's what I found. And uh, if you see that uh, that video, you might be wondering, what in the world is it? So I looked it up, and I tried to look up kind of what both sides would say, right? What does the science say, you know, uh, pediatricians who would be in favor of abortion, what do they say about it, and what do people who aren't? Okay, so there's, you know, science has its right and left also. You know, it's 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 a thing. 
and I found an article on NBC, uh, NBC that is this article is not in favor of abortion, and it's written in the idea, you know, discussing the heartbeat laws that are being written in some states. Okay, so this is from last May. Once the abortion ruling was leaked, it was before it really came out, but the idea was Texas has the heartbeat law and some other states have heartbeat laws, and it was trying to refute that the six-week-old or eight-week-old fetus has a heartbeat. Um, and it got very, very technical, okay? So one person, Dr. Sarah Prager, from uh, in this article from NBC, who's a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Washington Medicine, she said that... Uh, the sound that the machine makes, the article actually says that the sound the machine makes is a noise that's programmed into the machine to sound like a heartbeat, that you probably couldn't really hear it uh, in, in the sense of a heartbeat. But what the machine is detecting is cardiac activity. And so that noise is the, the sound coming that is being detected by the machine. This Dr. Sarah Prager, she says the correct medical term for what's observed at this point is cardiac activity. Okay, and basically saying, well, the heart is still functioning into its four chambers and into an actual heart. At six weeks, the the heart isn't fully formed. However, what you find is that the function of the heart is already working in the child's body to pump blood, and that that cardiac activity is exactly that. It is a heartbeat as the heart is fully developing, and it develops very quickly, very soon. I I looked it up on uh, to get a little bit more detail. Uh, the Lozier Institute. There's a great website if you want information on abortion that's scientific. Uh, this is a pro-life website for sure, but uh, they get into the all of the stuff. They don't dodge the issues. LozierInstitute.org, L-O-Z-I-E-R Institute.org. And uh, they have the science behind embryonic heartbeats. I'll play that for you. I'll, there's nothing to play. I'll explain that to you when we get back. I think it's important because I think, you know, as much as maybe we don't like talking about some of these emotional subjects and they're very emotional for many of us if you have experienced abortion if you've had one or you've thought about it or you know people who are it's very politically you know uh divisive it's a major thing but we have to it's on the ballot it's in front of us and i think as christians you know some issues go beyond right and left there are some issues where i think maybe as a christian i don't know what jesus would say maybe he would shrug his shoulders he has an opinion i think he knows for sure what's good and what's bad and what would work and what wouldn't you know but i think some issues are we maybe spend too much time on this one is about life this one is about you know is does this person develop uh, does this person deserve to live does this child that clearly dislikes kale uh deserve to live um, and so I think we have to be able to speak uh, in a way that is um, educated and factual as much as we can. I don't even like – I've told you before, I don't like the terms pro-life and pro-choice because they are politically charged, you know, instead of talking – I like pro-abortion or anti-abortion. I like that better because then we'll keep talking about abortion. If we talk about pro-life, then pretty soon we're talking about immigration or we're talking about the death penalty or we're talking about other important issues, but we stop talking about abortion. Or if we talk about pro-choice, pretty soon we're talking about women's health care and we're talking about you know contraception. Or, and then eventually we're talking about mammograms and other things and we're not talking about abortion anymore. you got to focus on abortion. Not that those other things aren't important, but they are. When we come back, I'll give you a little bit more about the science behind uh, the heartbeats. And if you want to share your story about cravings, about what your child liked before they were born, um, what your cravings were or how that seemed to to fit your experience, uh, we'll take your calls as we have before, 
528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as SoCal Live's Thursday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. Uh, We're talking about uh, remarks that uh, you're probably seeing. If you're watching any news, obviously you're not watching it right now because you're listening to us, which is what you should be doing on your drive home. Definitely shouldn't be watching TV in your drive home. That's scary that some people would do that, but, uh, you know, don't be doing that. Listening to Southern California Live is a great idea for your drive home or your last period of time at uh, work or even at home, whatever you're doing. We're on from 3 to 5 each and every day. Stacey Abrams, who is a gubernatorial candidate in the state of Georgia, made headlines today because she claimed that uh, the idea of a six-week-old fetus does not have an actual heartbeat and that it is a fraud. Here's what she actually had to say. There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. So she says that uh, the sound that you might have seen on your uh, embryos, your unborn child's heartbeat, your six-week-old child's heartbeat is not a real heartbeat, and that uh, the purpose of that is that men designed the machine to control women's bodies. That part's crazy. But the uh, the second part (laughs) uh, is uh, I'm looking into that because I thought, well, you know, it's something that's important for – I think for us to do when we hear stuff like this that's politically charged, right? It's on all the news right now. It's trending on Twitter. And I mentioned that NBC and uh, some of the left-wing media – what's the other one? NPR, they're putting out uh, the same thing that I just read to you, actually. I read to you uh, in the last segment something out of an article that was from last May about what – uh, about whether or not the six-week-old child uh, has – whether or not it has a heartbeat or not. And they're quoting the same thing, that it's cardiac activity. And the, the reason for the nuance is because heartbeat laws are obviously a big issue in the political sphere today. We're in Texas and some other states. Once a heartbeat is detected, then uh, abortions are not allowed, okay? So if the argument is, well, there's not really a heart yet – if there's just cardiac activity, then the heartbeat can't really be detected until there's a heart. Now, there is a heart around 10 weeks anyway. So, I mean, it's sort of uh, um, not even that long of a period of time. Interestingly enough, uh, I looked up Hopkins Medicine, Hopkins, John Hopkins. Okay, they're, you know, johnhopkinsmedicine.org. And here's what it says on their website right now. They're probably going to change it because of this. Because this is happening, right? The medical websites and hospitals are changing the, the the language because of the politics, not because of the science. Right now it says by the end of four weeks, it says for a developing child, by the end of four weeks, the embryo looks like a tadpole. Kind of true. Uh, this is four weeks, not six, okay? Just four weeks, one first month. You probably don't even know you're pregnant yet. Uh, Number two, the neural tube, which becomes the brain and spinal cord, the digestive system and the heart and circulatory system begin to form. The beginnings of the eyes and ears are developing. Tiny limb buds appear, which will develop into arms and legs. And the last thing it says is the heart is beating. Right there, Hopkins. Now, this will probably change because of the, the, the legalities and the argument here. They will say... It will probably change it to say there will be cardiac activity. Uh, Lozier Institute, uh, which is a great organization, they're pro-life 
but uh, they're very scientific. They really get in all the issues. Here's some of the things that they have to say. And I think it's important for us as Christians to know this, that we shouldn't just get into conversations with people and say things that uh, we're not really too sure about. We have to be careful. And it's so emotional and it's so important. It helps us, uh, you know, to just take a minute and step back when we hear somebody say, you know, the, the heartbeat is fake. And we talked before about the, the sound might be amplified or faked a little bit because of the way the machines develop. But what you see in that picture, that flashing light, it is the uh, the the feedback from the cardiac activity or heart. And this is what they say. The embryonic heartbeat can be detected as early as the sixth week of gestation, which is what you've seen and what I've seen if you've been in that appointment. At six weeks gestation, the heartbeat can be detected uh, via the, a transvaginal ultrasound. The embryonic, the early embryonic heartbeat is best detected using Doppler ultrasonography. This measures the movement of the beating heart. Ultrasonography does not measure electrical activity. It measures pulses of high-frequency sound reflected off solid objects. At six weeks, the embryo's heart is beating rhythmically, which is what you see on the screen when you've ever been to these appointments. And the heart can be easily identified. Its image has been captured for viewers to see. Researchers have found that the presence of a heartbeat at six to eight weeks indicates that the baby has a very high chance of surviving childbirth. Um, And uh, you can actually see a picture of it. And when you you take a look, if you uh, take a look at this, you can email me if you want the link and I'll send it to you. Send me an email at SoCalLive at kkla.com, SoCalLive at kkla.com. It gives you a link to a picture. And you look at the picture of what's being developed. You know, clearly the four chambers are beginning to form. Clearly it's beating. It, you know, it takes, I think, up to 10 weeks, it says, and other sites will say before it is fully, all four chambers fully there. But it's clearly the heart. It's always been called the heart. It's a political thing. You know, I feel like just in general, you know, folks, if if people have to use euphemisms, if people have to make statements, you know, change the subject, um, where if we can't talk about abortion, what we're talking about is reproductive health, which includes a whole lot of other things. Uh, if we cannot actually have a conversation about something, anything, um, then there must be something wrong with our argument. That is, that's a point of view that I would have and that I would want to be held to, that if I have to use a euphemism, if I can't say, uh, if I can't say that, you know, this is what it is, if I can't, if I don't want to say abortion because you may not agree, so I'm going to say reproductive health, and by that what I mean is all kinds of women's health care, because I don't want to talk about abortion, there's a reason for that. And the reason just comes down to this simple thing, that most people now understand that the unborn child is a child it is not a clump of cells that may or may not develop into a human being it is got the dna we know that now scientifically the dna that is uh not the dad's dna not not the mom's dna but a completely distinct dna of a a third human being and we know all that the conversation is what do we value does the unborn child have life that we value the same as the mom or the dad, or anybody else. And that really is it. And that is the conversation that's hard to have because it's really, really difficult to lower the value of another human being. And as Christians, I think, you know, if we're made in the image of God, if God is knitting us together in the womb, and as we started out this hour by hearing about the idea that 
the unborn children have a response to different kinds of food that mom eats, which is probably what leads to cravings and all the fun stuff about having a kid. Um, that's real. And this is this is a moment I think that many of us have where, you know, we have to confront our attitude about life. We're in this society that is growing more violent. We're in a society that is growing more and more selfish on all kinds of different things. Personally, I think that our attitude about life and different things affects that, that if we can devalue life in one way or another, it's going to break down every part of society. And, you know, we have to ask serious questions about the unborn child, and that's why I think we need to focus on abortion. When we say pro-life, it, it brings in other issues. I think we need to talk about immigration, and I think we need to talk about the value of life of people coming over the border and all those issues that are there. But I think it's a separate conversation, not because life is different, but because there are different issues. And, you know, how do we respect life there? As Christians and everybody's made in the image of God and we're called to take care of the poor, you know, what my view is is that we're not doing really anything so in any any significant way and we're letting problems get worse with with drugs and uh, lots of different things these are things that we're that are going to blow us up if we do not deal with them i think we need to hold political leaders uh, into account for what do they really think without using euphemisms without saying crazy stuff like oh this is only developed because men want to control um, women's bodies. There's plenty of women out there listening right now who are pro pro or anti-abortion. I'm trying not to say pro-life, anti-abortion. You know, are you trying to help men control your bodies? You know, it's just um, we need to find a way to calmly and respectfully uh, say these things and not make them left and right. I think that's a lot of the problem. If you feel like you have to have a position because your side has a position, uh, that's wrong. It's what is true. What is the value of life? I think the value of life is tremendous. I think it, it is implications for every way that we think about life on this planet, every way we think about humanity. And I think it has to do with our relationship with God, the creator of human life, who made us in his image, male and female, he created us. Lots to say about that, but we'll wrap it up for this hour. If you ever miss an hour of a program, you want to get it. Our podcast is available on our radio station website. Just go there, look up SoCal Live and or Scott Furrow, you'll find it. And SoCal Live, the the podcast is right there. And if you're in the L.A. area, I want you to take a look at KKLA.com. And the Health Fair is coming up this weekend. Health Fair is a great free event. It's it's held in Pasadena and a lot of free resources for your health care uh, and insurance and some seminars for answering some questions. It's a great event that is returned after the COVID. So check it out, kkla.com. Click the Health Fair banner. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back for Hour 2 as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.